So I'd get your heart going a little bit. Good morning. Happy Father's Day. Dads, what a privilege to play that role. Really glad you guys are here today. When I watched that trailer, I, I want to be a hero. A bunch of us watched the movie last night. It was really fun. Really appreciate the work that went into organizing that and the way people stepped up to help. We went and saw it, and when, when I watched the movie or when I watched this trailer, I, I long for superpowers. I just want to be able to do more than I can do. You know, I, The heat vision is kind of weird to me, but maybe fly or maybe, maybe something. There's, there's so many things that I can't do, and I just wish, ah, oh, there's got to be more, right? And I, I want to make a difference in people's lives. Can you relate to that? I want to feel like later on people will look back and they'll be thankful for the way I was a part of their life. And, and underneath all that, I want to know that my life counted, that there was a reason for it, right? That I was a part of something bigger than myself. But then I look at my everyday life and oh, it's not very super. I'm tempted to compare myself with my peers a lot. I, I, I went to acting school and some of my classmates in my class that I spent a couple years with learning acting became incredibly famous. Um, you, you might know their names. And so I think, oh, why haven't I done that? I really, I must have made a lot of mistakes to not get there. And other people who had nothing to do with acting, who worked really hard and have left their marks in their careers, and then I kind of look at what I've done, I think, ah. So I'm tempted. I, I'm so grateful for the things God's given me. He's given me so much. But I'm still tempted to compare myself to other people and to feel like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not living the kind of super life that somehow I feel like I'm meant to live. And I feel powerless. I feel like, maybe not completely powerless, but I don't have enough to move my agenda forward. And after all, it's all about my agenda, right? And this is where you say, no, Ben, it's about my agenda, right? And everybody's thinking that way, right? I just feel like, ah, I want to accomplish these things and I just can't. I don't have the power. And then... To add to that, there's this issue of how my everyday life is spent. Again, I'm so grateful, but a lot of it is just things that don't seem very big. Drive to work, file some files, email some emails, drive back, go to bed. Got to get some sleep so I can drive to work. Better eat a few times in there so that I can have energy to work. It just feels too mundane somehow. Now, not all the time, but there's times when I wrestle with that. Can you relate to that? I mean, maybe you're in a job and it's just a job and you're wondering, why do I have to give 40, maybe 50, maybe 60 plus hours a week to this? What's the point? I thought I would be doing something that I could see more immediate results, that seemed more significant. Right? Maybe you're a parent and the bulk of your time is spent with your kids. Talk about a thankless task, right? And there's the same struggles all the time, same battles, and you wonder, I have, I have about 18 years with this one. 18 years with this one, is it going to make a difference? Am I going to survive this? In fact, are they going to survive this if they keep acting the way they're acting? And it's really hard. And where's the meaning in it as you step through it day by day? Maybe you're a student and it just gets piled on. Your teachers don't care about you. Why? Because they'll give you as much homework, as much papers, as many projects, as many tests as they want. It's like, why am I doing this? Why don't I get to take more classes that I like? Did I choose the right major? I hear people talking about their jobs. Will I be, get a, be able to get a job that I really like? Will I, be, will I be able to get any job? There's just a lot of things to worry about. And when we think about living life on the grand epic scale, a lot of times it doesn't feel that way. 
And then there's relationships. What about relationships? They're wonderful. They're an amazing part of life, but they are not easy sometimes either. They're hard work. So you might wonder something like this. How do I relate to this person, right? You can think about somebody right now. Why do I have to relate to this person? How do I do it? Or maybe there's someone that you love, and the question is more like, will they ever change? I know I have to change, but I can see here where if this person would change, it would make such a difference. It would help them so much. Will they ever change? And if they don't, the next question is, do I have what it takes to relate to them to make the relationship really go well, be, be a blessed relationship? And then there's the big one, and we don't like to admit that we think this, but another question you might ask yourself, I know I ask myself, is why don't all these people just do what I want? Right? Why do we have problems in relationships because people aren't doing what I want? And so we wrestle with these things. Now, it could be the opposite. Maybe you're sitting here right now and you're thinking, well, to be honest, I feel really good about work. Maybe you do. Maybe you feel like you're doing really well. Maybe you are knocking it out of the park. But I think there's moments when there's this lingering doubt. Is what I'm so successful at really, does it have a point? Is it purposeful? When I look back at it later, I could say I did great, but will that matter? It could be the same with the relationships. Maybe all your relationships are full of peace and joy. There's no conflict. If so, I've never met anyone like you. You're doing amazing work. But if, if, if you are, if it's for the most part, things are really smooth and blessed, then maybe the question is, well, is there more to life than just this small circle of people I've let in? Maybe, maybe I'm meant to be doing more than that. Now, these struggles and these questions they point to one of the realities of human existence. There is a longing for deep significance in each of us. In the trailer just now, he said something along the lines of, you were sent here for a purpose. You owe it to yourself to find out what that is. And when you put that with music and some action scenes, my heart just goes, ah. just really gets me fired up because that's in us. If you look at Ecclesiastes 3.11, written by Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, who accomplished amazing things, and yet in Ecclesiastes was looking at the futility of life, the struggles of life. He, he describes it as a vapor. You breathe out, there's your life, and then it's gone. And here he says, God has set eternity in the hearts of men. So it's in there, it's wired in us. We are wired to long for eternity and live for eternity. And so these everyday things that we face, they can get to us because it feels like, well, we're not doing that. We're not living our purpose. We don't have the power to live our purpose. Now, since we're talking about movies, imagine a movie where you are the star. I don't mean that you're playing the star. I mean you are the star. Okay? So in your mind's eye right now, if you can... The movie opens, and we see a little bit of your everyday life. We get to know you a little bit, okay? And then the big start of the movie comes when you are brought in to speak to the leader of an incredibly powerful organization, okay? And uh, you, you may have heard of this organization. You may not have. Some people would just say it's an urban legend. You know, other people would, like, really believe it. And now suddenly you are face-to-face with the leader. And he looks at you, and he says, you have been handpicked for a very specific assignment. I have a mission for you. You'll be given what you need, no more, no less. The training will be on the job, ongoing training as you go. And then he looks you right in the eye and he says to you, I want you to be a part of this. 
And he says to you, I've got your back. And then he says to you, your choices will ripple out in ways you would never imagine. And then you decide, and your life unfolds. Does that stir your heart? It really stirs mine. But I'm not Superman. I'm not going to be saving the world. I'm not going to leave people in awe of my powers. You probably won't either. So how do we deal with this tension? We have this longing for purpose, this longing for the power to carry it out. If it were an easy fix, wouldn't we all be a lot happier? Wouldn't there be a lot less conflict in the world? I mean, the world is a mess. There's people who have power, who have the sort of things that we wish we had, and yet there's not a lot of happiness there. So if it were that easy, maybe there there, there should be. But there's great news. God made us. He knows what we need. He put eternity in our hearts, and he knows that. He's wired us that way, and he offers us what we need to live that out so that it is not a frustration or it's a thrill to actually see that unfolding as he works in us. Let's look at Colossians 1.16. Colossians was written by a guy named Paul. This guy was a bit of a religious terrorist, if you can believe it. He was so sure that he understood the way things worked. He was completely convinced. He was kind of like General Zod, the bad guy in this movie. My way is the right way. And in fact, it is so right that people who get in the way of it need to be taken out. And that's what he did. He went around persecuting Christians in the early, early church. People were really afraid of him. And then one day he came face to face with Jesus Christ. Everything changed. Jesus started to use the things that he used the terrible things Paul had done. He used bad things that happened to Paul. He used all the good things that he had given Paul and allowed him to experience. And he began to use it for his purposes, for God's purposes, not Paul's. An incredible change in his life. And what he did was he went around and he started churches and then he would try to go back later and visit the churches if he could to encourage them. This was all new. Jesus hadn't been gone for very long. How do we follow him now that he's not here? And so he writes these letters if you can't visit or, or to, to add to, to explaining how do we live for purpose. And so this is what he says in Colossians 1.16. He says, For by him, and he's talking about Jesus, for by Jesus all things were created. All things. Things in heaven and on earth. So the things that we're interacting with that we can see with our senses, experience with our senses, and the things we can't. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. There's a reality beyond the physical that is real, that's there, that was created by God. All things were created by him and for him. Created by him and for him. You were created by God and for God. God made us, he made us all for himself. That's the reason we're here. There's no other reason for our existence. We aren't here accidentally. I want to pause. Do you believe that? That's what Paul says. Do you believe that? Because this cuts to the core of what life is about. If you're not sure, that's really okay. You're not sure about Jesus? Man, we're really glad you're here. This is a great place to take your time at your own pace, figure out whether this is real and what difference it could make in life. 
If you're not sure, then do whatever it takes to figure it out. The end of your story depends on it. You can get to the end and realize, I didn't do anything that will last. Or you can get to the end and realize, wow, from the moment I decided that God was real and that I would follow Jesus, things started to really be infused with meaning. And it was still hard, but I really made progress. And now as I look back, what a difference it's made. God's purpose for us gives life its meaning. Your life is not an accident. Check out this Starbucks coffee cup. Okay, This is the way I see it, number 92. You are not an accident. Your parents may not have planned you, but God did. He wanted you alive and created you for a purpose. Focusing on yourself will never reveal your purpose. You were made by God and for God, and until you understand that, life will never make sense. Only in God do we discover our origin, our identity, our meaning, our purpose, our significance, and our destiny. That's by Rick Warren. I think we can close the message right here. I think Rick has covered everything for us, right? I mean, that, that sums it up, sums up the message of the Bible and where we fit into what God is doing. Now, if God made us, if he crafted us specifically for his purposes, if he holds our destiny in his hands, then the smart thing to do is to figure out what his purpose is and do it. To figure out where he is headed, where he's taking us, and head in that direction. So, okay, what direction is God headed in? What's the big picture? It's a search and rescue. Even when our lives feel mundane, when we don't feel like Superman, which for me, again, is most of the time, we are part of something epic, spans all human history and more. The redemptive story is this. God made us to be in a relationship with him, okay? A perfect relationship, one characterized by perfect love, perfect security, perfect wisdom, where we could actually relate face-to-face with God. The first man and woman could do this. They could literally walk with God. Can you imagine? This whole world has been created, and God puts you there, and then he says, hey, look at that over there. And you're new to the whole thing. You've never seen it before. What is that? Well, I made that for you. I want you to take care of that. And then there's something else and something else and something else. This is the life with God, intimate, perfect. However, God didn't make us to be robots, right? You can tell a robot to do anything you want. You can program it in, and it will do it. But it's not human. And God made us to love him, but he's not going to program us to do that. He gives us a choice. As you know from the relationships in your life, you cannot force people to love you. Even if you force them to do everything that would show love, you would know the difference. It would be completely hollow. So God gives us that choice. And... We chose to turn away from him, to not love him, even though he handcrafted us, offered us everything we need to be happy. The first man and woman thought that they knew better than God, and I have thought that many times. They thought that they could be happy without obeying him. I have thought that many times. We think the same way. It's like an office stamp that says approved on it. We look at what they've done, and bam, we approve it. When they rebelled against God, everything started to go wrong. That's the mess I was mentioning earlier. We get messed up by the choices we make. We get messed up by things that we had no control over. The world is broken and diseased and corrupted because 
turning away from God. And since then, God has been on a search and rescue mission to win back his treasure. He sent his son, Jesus, to become one of us, experience the life that we experience, to really know what we're going through, but then to be the perfect example, to experience temptation and yet not sin, not do anything wrong. And that made him the perfect sacrifice. It's like you're brought in and all the terrible things that you've done are flashed before you and you're condemned. And then Jesus comes and he says, I'll take this. You can let my friend go. He paid the ultimate price for our rebellion and came and rescued us. We're drowning, we're drowning. And then a hand comes down and Jesus says, if you take my hand, I will pull you out. You will live again. You'll be reborn, in fact. And then, when he does that, then he invites us to be a part of it. To be a part of the rescue mission. Go along as he rescues others. That is a purpose worth living for. That gives life meaning. We're going to look at this more in a few minutes. But right now, the big question is, well, okay, if I wanted to do that, let's say I want to live for real purpose. I want a life that's charged with meaning. How do I do that? How do I get the power to do that? Honestly, I don't think I can. I think I'm too busy. Now, other people... Other people might say that, and I don't really buy it, but if you knew all the stuff that was going on, I really feel too busy to be a part of anything more than just getting by. I'm in survival mode. If you feel that way, I have felt that way too. It's a terrible feeling. You may feel like you're too tired. You may think, I've made too many mistakes in life. I've gone so far in this direction that I can't go in God's direction now. I don't see how that's possible. Or you may think, I don't have anyone to help me. I feel pretty isolated. Or you might think, I'm not isolated. i got a lot of people around me who are not going to help me with this. It's going to be much harder because they're there. I don't know how I could do this with them around. I could live for God's purposes. In the movie, Clark Kent faces all kinds of obstacles, right? It's a movie. He's got to face challenges and overcome them. That's the sort of storytelling that they're doing there. He faces all kinds of obstacles, but he's Superman, And we are not. He's got the power, right? We're not. And it's just a movie. This is real life we're facing. How do we do this in real life? And the biggest contrast, though, between the movie and what we face is this. He has what he needs to face his obstacles. There's a scene in the movie where he just sort of summons it up from within. And my take when I saw it last night was, wow, there's really no difference between the difficulty he was just having and getting it all solved other than he just sort of decided, yes, and he summoned it up. Not sure where that came from, except from within. The difference is he he does that in the movie. We don't do that in real life. We get what we need to face our obstacles, to face the challenges of life from God. Meaning and power flow out of God's purpose. The meaning and the power. So let's look at Philippians 2, 12, and 13. This is also written by Paul. Again, he's trying to encourage Christians in an early church. How do we live this life? And he starts it off with, So then, so then, my beloved. So then, another translation gives the therefore. So we want to know, okay, well, what, what did he say right before that? Why is he saying therefore? In other words, the reason I'm telling you is he was talking right before this about Jesus, about the ultimate example that Jesus sets for us in humility, in serving, and in obedience. 
He says, this is the example we want to follow, guys. So then, my beloved, people that are so important to me, not just anybody, kind of like maybe he's saying, look, I wouldn't just say this to anybody, but you guys are so important to me, I want you to understand this. This is really going to help you. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, Jesus obeyed, you have obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. When I was there, you did. Now that I'm not there, you're doing it. Keep it up. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So he's giving them this charge, this challenge. You've been saved. You have salvation. Now keep working it out to its logical conclusion. Fear and trembling? Why would you do that? Why would you tremble? And then he says it. He says, why? For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It is not just you. God is helping you to want to do the things that he's about. And then he's helping you to do them. It is God who is working in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Not for what I want to do, what you want to do, but for what he wants done. The idea here is to press on in obedience as Jesus did. God is at work in us, helping us to do the things that he wants us to do. If he wants us to do something, he gives us what we need to accomplish it. We don't need to somehow summon up the strength to do it on our own. In fact, we can't. We can't do it the way they showed it in the movie. That's just a movie. In one of the trailers for the movie, we're told, every person can be a force for good. And that's true. But then that, that line of narration in the trailer goes on. It says, free to forge his own destiny. That isn't true in the way that we wish it was. Any destiny that we try to forge on our own is not going to last. It's not something we want to take with us. It's only through cooperating with God that we can actually live with real purpose. Nothing we try to forge on our own is going to last. You may not feel like you have much in common with Superman, but there's actually opportunities every day to fulfill what God says is your destiny. Over and over, he faces chances where he has to choose. Am I going to take action? Am I going to make a difference? Now, we, we tend to equate fulfilling our destiny with some kind of epic opportunity. I definitely do. Me and my buddies, back in the day, we'd talk about how we were going to change the world, and a lot of that was pretty selfish, how we were going to be you know, famous and rich as we changed the world, that sort of thing. And it hasn't worked out that way, and we tend to think, well, it's got to be something epic for it to be part of God's purposes. And if it never comes along, we feel ripped off. We feel like God ripped us off, and our life doesn't have significance. But not everybody is Superman, so... In reality, fulfilling our destiny comes from taking action every day to do the things that might seem small but add up over time and become something that lasts and that is deeply significant. Now, the good news is you don't need superpowers to do this. The measure is faithfulness. God gives you the power, and what you need is a heart of faithfulness to keep relying on him to do what he has for you to do. How do we connect with that? Okay, fine, but how do I connect with this power? Okay, how to connect with God's power to fulfill his purpose? First of all, it's really helpful to understand that God tells time not by hours, but by opportunities. Okay, hours are flowing past, but what's really happening, a better way to look at it is opportunities are flowing past. And we have a chance as they go by to take them and use them for the things that God is about. Okay, and they, they come in different forms. They come in the form of experiences that we've had, difficult experiences, painful experiences, good experiences. 
They could come in the forms of, uh, in the form of the way we're wired, just the way we're made personality-wise. Okay? We've been handcrafted, remember, to do the things God has for us in our unique situation. Okay? If we turn and, and try to listen to him, try to hear what he's trying to teach us during difficult situations, then it really becomes something that has meaning as we help other people with it. If we just kind of go through it without thinking about it, or if we go through it with bitterness, then it's really a wasted opportunity. It's there, and we suffered through it, but it hasn't been redeemed in any way. So the point at which God, the point at which we're having trouble is where God is trying to teach us. And the better we can try to turn to him and learn what he's trying to teach us in that moment, in those days, in those weeks, the more we are redeeming what's really hard. Another way that opportunities to fulfill God's purpose come is through relationships. You are uniquely placed right where you are. No one is where you are in your network of relationships. Now, we talked about how hard they are sometimes. Relationships can be really hard. And we have, we have some that are, are short. We just run into somebody on the street. We have some that are ongoing. Sometimes they're stale. Sometimes they feel really fresh and revitalizing. But they can be really hard. God has put us right where we are. And those are opportunities that he's giving us. Another thing is just the responsibilities we have in life. All of these are stewardships. All these are things, the experiences, the wiring, the relationships that we experience, and the responsibilities that we have. These are all stewardships. God's offering these to us and saying, I want you to make the very most you can with these, and I'm going to help you as we do that. We tend to view negative Difficult situations, pressure-packed experiences, difficult relationships, difficult responsibilities as things that block us from living the kind of epic life that we want. Right? I, they're keeping me from being famous. They're keeping me from doing the things I always dreamed about doing. They're keeping me from getting what I want. They're keeping me from doing what seems to me would be really big. But in reality, these experiences are the gateway to meaning and purpose. You go through them to meaning and purpose. Let's take a look at Matthew 25. This is not in your notes. You can write these verses down if you like. I highly encourage you to take a look at it later. If you guys could, yeah, that's great. Thank you, guys. In Matthew 25, which is not in your notes, verses 14 to 30, Jesus is telling a story. He's trying to teach people what, what's his kingdom like. And he says, look, there was, a, there was a boss. He was the master of the house. And he went on... A journey, And before he went, he gave money to some different workers. And he gave different amounts to different ones. It's, he specifically says in the story that not everybody got the same thing. And then he says, later the master came back and he checked to see how everybody had done. The idea was, take what I've given you and make more. Make the most of it, whatever it is that I've given you. There were some who did really well and they did that. And there were some who didn't. And you can read the story and you can check it out for yourself, but... What he said at the end to the ones who had done what he asked them to do with what they'd given him, whatever it was that he'd given them, he said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness. God arranges the flow of life this way, these opportunities, these stewardships, and the key question is, how do I connect to his power, his purpose every day? Right? I have to be able to do something today that will help. And here are two things you could do. First of all, we want to acknowledge who God is and his role in our lives. Now, again, if you are figuring that out, press on. Don't give up. This will make all the difference as you figure out 
how God fits into life. Jesus was teaching his disciples how to pray. In Matthew 6, 9, he said this. He said, pray then like this. This is how you pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. In other words, start by talking to your dad, remembering this is your father. And no matter, guys, no matter what kind of father you had, good or bad or indifferent, the father we're talking about here is the one who offers us perfect love, perfect security, perfect wisdom to move us through life. You start by praying and saying, Daddy, I want everyone to know how great your name is. I want everyone to know how great you are. The second thing you can do is align yourself with God's purpose in your everyday opportunities. And this is the next verse, Matthew 6.10. He's continuing the prayer. And he says you should pray this. Your kingdom come, Daddy. Your kingdom come, Father. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want the things that you want to be happening. In heaven, everybody does what you want. And it's perfect. I want that here on earth, in my life, in my heart as I think in the circles of influence that I have. May your kingdom come. May your will be done. What would it look like to have that constantly flowing as we go through our day? God gives the power to accomplish his will. And the way it works is if I live for my purpose, he will allow it, but he will not empower it. And I can go for years and decades trying to do that. And it will not last if God has not empowered it. God will let you and I try to build our own kingdoms, but there's no power from him to do that. Now, we looked earlier a little bit at the big picture. God's desire for each of us to know him personally, to experience his love, to experience life to the full through his son Jesus. How does that actually play out in everyday life? What, what are his purposes and, and how do I apply them to everyday life as I try to align myself with them? Three things that really help to, to help us see if we are headed in the direction God wants us to head. Because we face everyday life. We are not in the middle of a movie where we can fly around and save the world and get thrown through, I don't know, eight buildings in a row by some bad guy and just sort of get up and shrug it off. We are in real life. So here's the things. Three things. Number one, get dominion. In Genesis 1, 27 and 28, you guys can look at this, where God has put man and woman in creation, and he says, I want you to get dominion. I want you to take care of this and get control of it. Where there is chaos, I want you to make order, and I want you to fill it up with good things. I have made it so good, and I want you to continue that process. Get dominion. What this does, guys, is this makes the mundane things of life charged with meaning. When you change a diaper, you are getting dominion. When you do your homework, you're getting dominion. When you file some files, email some emails, drive home, you're getting dominion. And this is the, the stuff of everyday life that as we move through, and if we look at it the way God sees it, we start to see how charged it is with meaning, and we have the motivation to keep faithfulness, keep moving forward in faithfulness with that. The second thing is to love God and love people. I mean, we, can't, we cannot achieve anything that God wants if we are choosing not to love God and love people. Right? It, you have to be loving God and loving people along the way to what God is calling us to. We love God. The Bible's really clear on this by obeying Him. 
by finding out what he says and doing it. We love people by showing kindness and consideration. If you make the most of helping people and you look to their interests as you live in family life, as you work with other people, as you go to school, interact with people in any arena of life, you start to stack up days that lead to a really significant life. And then the third one is the one we were talking about earlier, search and rescue. Make disciples. This is Matthew 28. The verses I think are in your outline, Matthew 28, 19, and 20. God wants us, as he rescues us, to turn and be a part of him rescuing others. If you glorify God and fulfill his purpose in small things, you move forward in those three areas, helping people change their destiny for eternity, and doing that by loving others and loving God, and by fulfilling your responsibilities, getting dominion in your areas of of influence, areas of responsibility, if you do this, you will look back on a life that is epic. And it does not matter what's happened before today anymore. Everything that happened before right now, God will use for his purposes if you get in line with them. I want to leave you today with this picture. Okay? You're celebrating your 80th or maybe your 90th birthday. You've lived a really long life. And there's so many people there to celebrate with you, people from different stages of your life. And then there's people who are emailing or calling or doing little video messages. And people are thanking you for the influence you had in their life and the way you blessed them. Not only that, but there's people that you don't even know who are saying, you know what, I want to thank you because you helped this person right here and they really were a blessing to me. And so, like in that movie that you're the star of, the choices you made rippled out farther than you could ever imagine. Now what, what could be better than that, right? What's even better and when you pass from this life, and all of us will, in the moments of your life, good and bad, sorrow, joy, difficult, they all have their purposes revealed. And you're in heaven. And someone comes up to you you haven't seen in so long. And they say, thank you. I'm here in part because of you. We're going to enjoy this forever together. And then, and this is the part that that gets me even more, is then they say, look, I want you to meet someone. And they bring some of their friends. And again, it's the same thing. Their friends, you've never met them. They say, we are here in part because of the way you helped our friend. And then they helped us. And we turned to Jesus and he rescued us. And you really helped with that. You made all the difference the way you invested But that's not the end. Then, God, your Father, takes you in his arms. And he says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness. Don't wait for something that will feel supersized to come along before you get moving in God's direction. God wants to take our faithfulness with the small things and tell an epic story of his goodness through us 
to the whole world. I'd like to ask the band to come up. And while they're coming up, I'd like to ask you guys to take out, if you would, your connection card. I'd like to look at some next steps. We try to look at next steps every week. We want the Bible to be practical for us. You can hear something and get kind of excited about it, but what do you do? And so we want to help you with that. God may be laying a next step on your heart that's not on the card. If so, I would encourage you to take that. Ask God to help you with that. Here's some that might be helpful as well. You could pray Matthew 6, 9, and 10 every day this week. Really let it settle into your heart. Another thing you could do is think through, how can I align with God's purpose this week in in the things that I need to get dominion over, the things that I have responsibility for, or in loving God, obeying Him and loving the people around me? How could I do that? Or in sharing Christ, recognizing how I've been rescued from dark waters and how I can help other people to see that Jesus' hand is reaching down to them to pull them out as well. You might be, for the very first time, considering giving your life to Christ, saying, you know what, I've tried this my own way and it's not working. I will trust you with my life. You'll be my boss. I will follow you. If you're thinking about that, it will make all the difference. We want to help you with that however we can. So let me pray for us. There's some other next steps you can, you can look at as well. And when the offering box comes through, you can put those cards in and uh, that'll be good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us with your power to live for your purposes. Every single one of us is at a different place with that, whether we don't even buy into it or we're we wish we could and we're so close or we believe it but we know that there's things where that's just not the way we're moving forward in life. Please help us to live for your purposes. May you be pleased with everything that we do and may you use us to bless the people around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.